You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. things that we do in the house of Koinonia. And it's a series really just about the culture that we want to create in this place. Uh, some of the things that are important to us as a church family. Last week we talked about honor. This week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and he's the empowering presence of God that's with us every day. It's really what, what makes us different than the rest of the world is the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we don't have anything different about us than the rest of the world. He is the very presence of Jesus that lives inside of us. And so we need to be invested in understanding how to cooperate with him and how to work with him. Today is, in fact, Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, but I'm not going to share the message this morning. I actually have a treat for you because we have in the house Pastor Jeffrey Acton, uh, who is here from Mozambique, Africa. Some of you know Pastor Jeff, and uh, he was on our staff for more than a decade here at our church, and then he now serves with his wife, Courtney, and their family uh, in Mozambique, Africa, where they are legit missionaries. I mean, some people are fake missionaries. They're real missionaries, I'm, I'm, and, and there's no doubt about it. These guys have given themselves to the work of serving the Lord and serving the people uh, in Mozambique, and they've done it in just an incredible way. If you follow them at all, uh, follow their lives, get their newsletters, follow their social media, you know they're the real deal. Uh, Pastor Jeff serves uh, in the Bible school that where he teaches at, also, he's the leader of their team. Uh, they work with One Mission Society, which is uh, the sending missions organization that they're with. But they are incredible people of faith, people of life. If you don't know, Jeff, you're in for a treat today. Uh, and so I want you to give a massive Koinonia welcome, if you would, to Pastor Jeff Acton as he comes to give the word. Before I forget, I want to make sure to invite you tonight. We do have an open house. It'll be a dessert reception. Uh, and so if you want, if you didn't maybe get enough dessert at your home, you can come out and join us. At 6.30, we're going to be in the great room right off the lobby. Uh, as We're going to be hearing a little bit more from Pastor Jeff and just loving on him. So come and hang out with us tonight at 6.30 for dessert and hearing more from this great man. I love you, man. It's all yours. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. It was far too kind. I was joking with Andrew. I need to start a, a blog or something that's like world's worst missionary because I feel like as missionary, if I'm really the good missionary, I'd have like a table set up with sign-ups and stuff that you could take with you. But I, man, I tell you what, I, I love being here. I always love being here at Koinonia. Uh, this place is home for us. And I'm here solo. I apologize for that. I don't know how many people have come up to me and be like, oh, where's Courtney and the kids? And I'm like, oh, it's just me. And they're like, oh. So I understand, I understand. Um, and so they're back in Mozambique and uh, long to be here with you as well, but I'm here for some meetings and uh, you know, no trip for me to the States is complete without 
not only coming to California, but coming to Koinonia. And this place has been home for us and continues to be home. And we just want to thank, uh, just on behalf of my family, thank Koinonia for your financial giving and support, your prayer for us. Uh, we really could not do what we're doing in Mozambique without you. And so I just want to say thank you. Just going to give you a quick update. As Andrew said, tonight at 630, uh, just have an opportunity to give more of an update and share more about Mozambique and what's happening there. Um, but we... Um, I've been in Mozambique now five, five and a half years, five and a half years, which is really hard uh, to believe that it, it has been that long. My wife, Courtney, um, and my kids, as I said, are back there. Our oldest, Cohen, is 16. He'll start his senior year next month. And then we have no idea what that boy's going to do, but uh, we're praying about that. And then two girls, Addison is 15 and Eliza is 13. And then right now we have four teenagers in our home. And so please, you can pray for us anytime you think of us. Um, but Yvonne, who is here uh, in the photo with us, has been living with us this year as she finishes high school. And uh, she graduates uh, next, uh, here in a couple weeks. And so you can be praying for her. She's been applying uh, to universities here in the U.S., but that's not an easy process, and it's expensive. And as a Mo Mozambican with limited resources, that's quite a challenge. So just be praying for her in that process of what God has for her next. But it's been a real joy and treat to have her living with us. So four teenagers at home. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that we've learned, I think, that's been the the consistent thing in our lives is change <laughs> and lots of change that has happened over these years with our team, with our ministry. But, you know, God has called me to be a part of the seminary program that we have there of teaching and training pastors and leaders. The church in Africa is exploding. It is exploding. Um, and there's a great need for godly men and women who are grounded in theology and in scripture to lead the church. And so I get to be a part of that. I go as much as, as, as a learner as I do as a teacher, but I'm a professor and I share the role of academic coordinator with a Mozambican guy named Obed, who I love working with. And he will be our next director uh, this coming year. Um, and so, you know, this, this is kind of graduation. So my first I think the first time I taught without a translator, this is kind of these guys graduated, and we suffered together. Uh, in Mozambique, we speak Portuguese. Portuguese is the national language, and so took time to learn, still am learning. And so these guys suffered with me, these men and women, they were gracious with me, but I said, hey, we're going to suffer together. I'm going to suffer because of my language, and you're going to suffer because of my language. Um, but they were incredibly gracious, and it was just fun for them to graduate and, and kind of move on in their ministries. And so we right now have about 100 students. We have a four-year program. And then this year, we also started a one-year ministry course as well. And again, just to uh, shape and form uh, leaders for the Mozambican church. And I work, get to work with all these great men and women, Mozambicans, who are also teaching and leading the program as well. And so I get to partner with them. We continued in our soccer ministry uh, called Shikanwe. So this was four years ago, maybe, uh, when we started four and a half years ago, and then this was just at Christmas. And so before, you know, they were here, and now I'm kind of harder to see there. And these boys, we've just seen these boys not only grow in stature physically, but also in stature spiritually. And we continue to work with this group of boys. We're, you know, have another new missionary who's on our team, and she's hoping to maybe start a team for girls, which is really exciting. But to continue to use soccer as an avenue to disciple and form uh, young men and women. This year, I also stepped into a new role as a field director for OMS in Mozambique. And so OMS is an organization that's been around over 100 years, involved in 74 countries around the world. 
And so I get to lead our team in Mozambique, and we have a team of Brazilians who go to Mozambique because it's natural with the language. We have a family from Northern Ireland, a family from South Africa. You have us as Americans. And so leading this multinational team in a foreign country doing all kinds of different ministries, and we have the seminary program, our soccer ministry, we have a special needs ministry that my wife has been involved with. My wife has a huge heart for those living with disability and coming alongside them, coming alongside parents who have children with disability, and so she has a great heart for that. Uh, we also have a K through 12 school. We have a couple that is doing kind of a pioneer work in an area where there is no church, um, and then other discipleship uh, ministries as well as we partner with other local churches. And so you can be praying for me in that role. You can be praying for my wife as she kind of seeks her next step in ministry and wh what God has for her and her heart with those living with disability. You can pray for our kids anytime. Um, and just pray for Mozambique, the nation of Mozambique. Again, the church is exploding, but it needs this grounding and foundation in scripture and in theology and in ministry for it to continue to grow. And so again, we thank you guys. Um, if you want to hear more, I invite you to come out at 630. Uh, there's a lot more to share, and um, I'd love to see you again. And uh, I fly back to Indiana tomorrow, and in this new role, I'm going to meetings in Indiana where OMS is headquartered. That's why I'm here alone is because I'm coming for those meetings, but wanted to come see Koinonia and be with you guys as well. Also, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, we send out a, a newsletter. We try to do it every couple months, but again, world's worst missionary, so it's, sometimes it's every four months or five months. I'm just joking about that. <laughs> But yeah, if you want to do that on the, what is it called, connection card, you can just write, um, what do you write? My name? Jeff Acton. Jeff Acton. You can write Mozambique. If you don't know how to spell Mozambique, spell, just write Moz uh, with your email address. Um, and uh, we would love for you guys just to continue following along with what God is doing. And again, it's not just what God is doing in us. It's what God is doing through Quininia. It really is. Uh, we are doing this together. So we are, as Andrew said, in a series called This Is How We Do It, and I hope that I can speak into this. I was on staff here at Koinonia for 12 years, um, and Koinonia, again, is part of our heart and has shaped who we are as well during that time. And so when I knew I was coming, I, you know, kind of, hey, Andrew, I think, you know, I'll be in the States. I'd love to come out to Koinonia. He's like, why don't you preach? I'm like, okay, that's great. And he's like, it's Pentecost Sunday. I'm like, okay, that's great. He's like, ah, why don't, you know, you can talk about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? Uh, you want me to be the one to speak on the Holy Spirit? And so I just want to kind of open up and just be honest with you guys. Uh, I grew up in the church. Um, for as long as I can remember, I was in the church. But I was in church environments that really never talked much about the Holy Spirit. I can't remember many messages about the Holy Spirit. And I knew that the Holy Spirit's taught in Scripture. I had a form of belief about the Holy Spirit, but as far as my fuller understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit was pretty limited. And, um, you know, and I think this is kind of common, and so some of you might identify with this as well. Some of you might read Scripture and know, okay, I, I know the Holy Spirit is talked about. I know the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I have this belief, but yet I'm still uncertain and unclear, and I'm not sure what I believe about the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of where I was at. And this is something that goes back for a long time in the history of the church. The, the Apostles' Creed, which is a statement about what we believe as Christi Christians that dates back over 1,500 years. You know, it kind of says, you know, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ is only begotten, the Son of the Son of God. And then it goes on to give a little more theology about Jesus. And then it kind of says, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
And then it goes on. And I think for me, it's like, yeah, I believe these things about God the Father. I have a theology about that. I believe these things about the Son. I have a theology and an understanding of that. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. But as far as my theology and understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit, I was, I was uncertain for a long time. And it's still, I will say, it is still being formed and shaped within me. And um, I'm kind of on this journey with you as well, learning of what it means to experience the empowering presence of God. And here at Koinonia, when we say this is how we do it, that empowering presence of God through the Holy Spirit is key and central to our lives as Christians. And so we kind of wrestle with that. We talk about that. We want to understand what that means. I will say that this morning, I'm not going to answer all your questions that you may have about the Holy Spirit. I'll just get that out right away. I might even, you might walk away with more questions. And I think that's okay. That as we continue to grow in our faith and in our understanding, you know, wrestling with some of those questions are important as we search in scripture to understand as we come into community with one another, seeking to understand and experience. So I encourage you, ask the questions, wrestle, seek scripture, surround yourself in a community of faith that is talking about these things, seeking to stir up the Holy Spirit within this community. All right, continue to lean into that, even if you are uncertain and unsure. So I know Andrew, Andrew and I met in seminary uh, as we were studying together. And we ended up being great friends, living in a house together with a group of guys. And one day I remember Andrew's like, hey, you want to go to this church service with me? And it wasn't on a Sunday. It was, I don't remember if it was the middle of the week or something. I'm like, eh. I'm like, okay. And then there might have been like temptation with a burrito somewhere, right? There's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I, can, I can do that. And so we go to this church service and, I, you know, in, in Los Angeles, I don't remember the church. I don't remember the preacher. I don't remember anything else, but I just remember it being really weird for me and sitting there. And as the video stated, right, it got loud and there were people coming down front, raising hands, speaking in tongues, people running around. And I'm just like sitting in the back thinking, what in the world is going on? I'm sure there were people praying for me because they thought I was like, this distant, disengaged person sitting grumpily in the back, just evaluating what's going on. I'm, I'm sure there were people praying for me in that moment. But it was this strange experience. And, you know, we get in the car after it, and Andrew's like, what'd you think? I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this, man. I'm not so sure about this. And so, again, kind of like that Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, but my theology and understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit at that point was, I think, present, but at the same time lacking. And maybe some of you can, you know, kind of identify with that, that maybe some of you have seen, you've read in, in the New Testament, and you think like, wow, there is this empowering presence I see and read about in this history and story of the church. But personally, I don't, I don't know. I haven't had the same type of experience, or it seems weird, right, at times, and, and I'm not sure what to do with this. And so I want to just kind of talk about that this morning and just, you know, being honest with you about my experience and my journey and that I'm still on. I still have questions and I'm seeking scripture. I'm seeking community to help me understand in greater and greater ways. Just off the bat, just five quick statements about who the Holy Spirit is and how we should understand the Holy Spirit from scripture. Um, because I think sometimes, uh, you know, for me, I think there was a time where I kind of just viewed the Holy Spirit as kind of like the Star Wars force, right? There's this force that, is, you know, that sometimes I experience, but I don't really understand. And, and I, you, know, you know, it's kind of this force that happens, but that's not what the Holy Spirit is. And so number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. 
with a divine personality. So we can think of God the Father as a person with a personality. God is full of, God is powerful and mighty and kind and loving and gracious, right? All of those things would be part of the divine personality of God. Jesus, right, is divine with a divine personality as well. And so is the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is a person with a will and a divine personality. Number two, the Holy Spirit is personal and active in the lives of believers. Scripture teaches that. Number three, the Holy Spirit makes Jesus a living reality in our lives. And so Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit testifies to the presence of Jesus. It points us to Jesus. Number four, the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son in the Trinity. Right? This, this belief that we have as Christians of three in one. We sang about it, right, just a few minutes ago, right? Three in one. It's mysterious, right? We can understand God, but yet at the same time, God is beyond our understanding, right? And so we understand, but yet he's beyond that. And so if you have questions about the Trinity, um, because it is hard to understand, Pastor Andrew is right down here. He would love to talk to you and explain it all to you, all right? So just come find him about that. And then number four, and this is really what we believe, that, that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in our lives. And so this morning on Pentecost Sunday, and one thing that I think is really cool is when we have these moments in the calendar of something like Pentecost, today, right, people all over the world are talking about this same topic and this same passage. You know, my friends in Mozambique are talking about Acts 2 today. You know, people that we know in Cambodia and India and all these other nations in all kinds of languages around this world are talking about the Holy Spirit. And there's something exciting for me about that, that the, the global church is talking about this gift of the Holy Spirit today. And we as Koinonia get to join in that conversation this morning. And so as we begin, and before we look at the passage in Acts 2, I just want to set the stage a little bit about what was going on for, for that group of people in that room on the day of Pentecost. And so we find Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday that predates the event of Pentecost that we read about in Acts 2. And so Pentecost was something that was practiced in Jewish cult culture. It was a holiday, or we could say a holy day on their calendar, this day of Pentecost. Um, in English, we would call it, uh, I think, translating, it would be the Festival of Weeks. And so what Pentecost was, Pentecost is just a Greek word that means 50. And so 50 days after Passover, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, would celebrate and have a holiday uh, you know, 50 days after called the Festival of Weeks. And so let's back up. What is, Pente or what is Passover, right? So we back up seven weeks. Passover, a key holiday, key holy day for the Jewish people. And so Passover, right, is the Jewish remembrance of what God did to bring the Israelite people out of bondage and out of slavery in Egypt. If you remember the story in Exodus, right, God calls Moses to bring the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, does not want to let the people go because it's his workforce. It is, you know, they're, they're serving him and they're working and they're making him rich. And he's like, I don't want to let these people go. And God calls Moses. And God sends 10 plagues upon the nation of Egypt so that, that Pharaoh will let the people leave and that God can lead them into freedom lead them out of bondage and out of slavery. And the 10th plague is a harsh one. And this because, is because of the wickedness of Pharaoh and his unwillingness to surrender to God over these 10 plagues. And so finally the 10th plague comes and it's, we would call it the plague of the firstborn where God says, I will 
bring death to the firstborn son in every home in Egypt. But in Exodus 12, verse 7, it says, um, and it kind of gives instructions for the people of Israel, for the Israelites to actually do something to protect their home. And it says to choose a lamb without blemish and to slaughter the lamb. And they would eat the lamb, but then they would take the blood of the lamb. And it says here in Exodus 12, verse 7, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. And then it goes on in verse 12. And on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring about judgment on all of the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So what God is saying here is I'm bringing this judgment upon this land. But you as the people of God, if you take this blood of the lamb, this innocent and this perfect lamb, right, without blemish, you take the blood, you put it on your door frames, right? What's going to happen? When death comes, it will pass over your, your house. I don't know about you, but if I read that and I hear that and that's the instruction from the Lord, I, I'm like, I'm not just taking a little bit of blood, right? I am smearing my door frames, all of them around my house, probably multiple times, right? Because I have this belief that what God leads us right here, leads the Israelites to use the blood of the lamb, right, to protect them. And so as death came to the house, those houses that were covered by the blood of the lamb, death passed over. And this plague is what brought about Pharaoh releasing the Israelites to move into the promised land, out of slavery and out of bondage. And so each year, right, in the Jewish faith, they celebrate Passover. Even to this day, they celebrate Passover. And Passover is a holiday where they reflect on God bringing them out of bondage, bringing them out of slavery into freedom by the blood of the Lamb. So 50 days after this holiday... Right, they have Pentecost. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is a time where the Jewish people set aside, have a holiday, a holy day, to celebrate God giving the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that God gave his word to his people on Mount Sinai. And so this, this time between Passover, right, of deliverance, and of giving of the word to them is this season of expectation, of this waiting and this excitement for what God is going to do and what he is going to give. That's why they call it the festival of weeks, these weeks building up to this anticipation of waiting for what God is going to do on Pentecost 50 days later. And so what does he do? He gives the Torah. He gives his scripture. He gives his word to Moses for the people of God. And what does this Torah do? It defines who they are as a people, and it directs their activity in the world. It defines them, and it directs them. It tells them how they should live. It tells them who God is. It tells them how they should respond to God. It gives them religious practices. It tells them how they should shape and form themselves morally and ethically, how they are to live in community with one another, how they are to treat outsiders to their community. But this Torah, these first five books, the scripture, a holy scripture from God, defined them as a people. Right? And it directed them as a people. And so we find this, we encounter this in the Old Testament. And so here, now let's, let's kind of jump ahead in the story to the New Testament. And we find this group of believers right, 
who had just experienced Passover. What happened on Passover? You, seven weeks ago, what happened seven weeks ago? You guys, you guys can remember, you, you remember that far back? What was seven weeks ago here at Koinonia? I know it's a long time. Easter, right? Easter. Seven weeks ago is Easter, right? And so what happens on Easter, right? Well, Jesus, right, is crucified, put to death, right, rose from the dead, right? When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he says, here comes the Lamb of God, right, sent to cover for my sins, right? And so Jesus, we talk about Jesus being the Lamb of God, right, and that this blood of the Lamb covers us. So that death and sin pass over us. The consequence of sin and death in our lives passes over us because of the blood of the lamb. There's this incredible tie-in to Passover and the cross of Christ. And it brings them into, it brings us out of bondage, right? It brings us out of bondage. It delivers us into a new, new land, right? Into this new place. So these new Christians who are still trying to figure out what all this means, right? And so they just experience Passover. They experience Jesus dying on the cross. They start thinking about these other passages and other things that we're talking about, the Lamb of God and the sacrifice of the Messiah and Jesus being Messiah and Lord. And they're contemplating all these things. Jesus rose from the dead, right? And he appears to them. And so let, let's just pick up. So that kind of maybe paints a little bit of a background story of Passover and Pentecost, and so we repeat it again with these new, new believers who are just trying to figure out what does this mean? What does this salvation in the name of Jesus mean? What happened at Passover and the blood of the lamb expressed and, and, and paid for them? And then they come to Pentecost, all right? And so I'm just going to pick up here in Acts chapter 1. And just so you know, Acts is kind of part two. Uh, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, is written by the same guy, and he writes a second book called Acts. Luke is about Jesus, and Acts is about the church. And so he begins, and he says, in my first book, right, he's referring to the book of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving, uh, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God, right? So Jesus dies, he's risen, and then he, for 40 days, comes to the apostle and teaches them and explains to them about the kingdom of God and about the nature of salvation. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I have told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so if we reflect back into the, um, the Last Supper, we can read about in John. And Jesus in the Last Supper, he's kind of reminding them, remember, we've talked about this. And he says in John 14, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another uh, advocate. This is the translation in English. Advocate, we could also translate it comforter, encourager, or counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And then Jesus goes on to say, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And then a little bit later, in the next cha in chapter 16, he says, it's actually better, Jesus says to this, these guys, right? These guys that he's walked with for three years, they've built this incredible relationship. They've come to understand him as their, their Lord, their Messiah, their rabbi, their teacher. 
And he says, it's actually better for me. It's better for you, actually, if I leave. Because if I leave you, the Holy Spirit can come. And it's better for you. It's actually better than me being present with you in this moment. Because the Holy Spirit will, will, will come in a different way. And so it's just, uh, you know, I can, can imagine the disciples thinking, like, there's no way. right? There's no way that there's something better than you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I need to go so that something better can come. And so then if we pick up in uh, verse 6, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. It's not for you to know. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and they were watching um, until they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into the heavens, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So then it goes on in Acts to talk about Judas being replaced and among the 12 disciples. And then we come to Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. What were they doing? It was a Jewish holiday. They were gathering together to practice what they had done before, reflecting on and celebrating the Torah, the Old Testament that had been given to them by God. They were reflecting on this. The Torah that had been given to, to define who they were as a people and direct them. All right? So they're contemplating this. They're celebrating this. They're doing this thing that they've done every year, their whole lives, this, this holiday. And it says, suddenly, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from other nations living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. What, what is going on? And they were bewildered to hear in their own languages, their own languages being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet here we speak, hear them speaking in our own native languages. And about 15 or 16 different languages is listed. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they said. But others in the crowd, crowd ridiculed them and saying, they're just drunk, that's all. That, that seems to be a really strange response, right? Like, I've been around drunk people, and they're not speaking intelligent languages, right, uh, that they don't know, let alone their own language intelligently, right? And so here they're speaking other languages. And so it seems like this assumption, like, wow, they're just drunk, seems to be a, a, a really strange conclusion. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, right? And so then he, he shares this passage from the book of Joel, from the Old Testament. And so Peter shares this, this passage. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirits, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the blood will turn blood red. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And it says, and, and everyone, I love this verse, anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so there's this Old Testament prophecy about God pouring out his spirit upon his people and that they're going to prophesy, they're going to dream dreams, they're going to experience God in this new and different way. Makes me think of just, I was reading a testimony for one of my students recently, and he said that, um, you know, in his story, right, he lived in northern Mozambique, um, came to our school because there was no school near him to study, but, you know, he was tempted. He grew up Catholic, was tempted to accept Islam, and was really close to coming to this point of a decision with Islam, and he had a dream. He had a dream, right? And Jesus basically said, why do you want to choose Islam? I'm here. You know, and that kind of transformed his life, right? And so this idea that God is pouring his spirit out upon his people and that giving dreams and visions and prophecy and tongues and all of these things. And to me, I don't understand it all. <laughs> I don't understand it all. And I frequently think like, I want more of that and I don't understand, but I want more of that. I want to see more of that. And so Peter kind of shares this prophecy and then goes on to say, to, to preach the gospel to them. And, you know, they say, what should we do after he proclaims the gospel message? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And about 3,000 people responded and placed faith in Jesus Christ and came into the church. And then it goes on in verse 42, it says, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to sharing their meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's suppers, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see in this passage, right, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What are the people there for? They're there to celebrate Pente Pentecost, the Jewish day thinking about the giving of his, God's word to the people that was given to define them as a people and direct them as a people. And all of a sudden on the same day, they're gathered together and God pours out his spirit upon the people and gives them the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit supposed to do? I believe the Holy Spirit defines who we are and is supposed to direct our lives. All right, just like the Torah did for the people of Israel, the Holy Spirit is supposed to do that for us today. And what happens, right? Well, there's strange things that happen here, right? And there's tongues, tongues of fire or fire, flames descending and landing on people. If we back up and look at Exodus and Mount Sinai, what happened at Mount Sinai? God gave the Torah. Right? God gave the Torah through Moses on Mount Sinai. And there's a story in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai when the presence of God descends on Mount Sinai as a flame. Right? And in this flame is the presence of God. Right? At Mount Sinai where God gave the Torah to the people. And now we fast forward to these new believers, and there's this descending fire upon each person, right? Not just one person, all of those that were there received this, right? And there's this presence of God that's represented in this flame. 
And I think it's not only amazing about the prophecy and the dreams and the languages, but also what, is, what does it say at the end? It says that they were generous. They sold things to give to the poor. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit was empowering all of these things to bring about unity and grace and kindness. It says here, it's amazing to me. It says that they enjoyed the goodwill of all people. That means people that didn't believe, people that weren't part of the church, they still had their goodwill because these people were full of grace and kindness and love and generosity towards those who were outside of of them. I sometimes wonder, do we have the goodwill (laughs) of those that are outside of the walls of the church? Because the Holy Spirit was doing something unique, not dividing, right, but extending kindness and grace through the church. There's this wonderful gift of presence um, there's something unique about being here with you today, right? This idea of presence. You know, my wife and kids would love to be here, and, you know, they're, they're not here, and it's different. Um, they want me to bring things back. You know, my son wants Takis. Um, <laughs> my daughter wants Hot Cheetos. You know, we can't find these in Mozambique. And so those are little tokens, right, of being here, and they'll enjoy those things, but it's not the same. I, on, uh, I flew into California on Thursday, borrowed a car from a friend, drove up here, but on the way I stopped in Thousand Oaks and saw a friend of mine I hadn't seen for three years. And we've texted and encouraged one another via text over the last three years, but we hadn't seen each other. And we sat for a couple hours and just talked. It was different. It was different, right? There's nothing that really replaces this idea of presence. Nothing. Not a memento, not a little token of your tour or whatever it may be. Nothing that I can take back to my family. Maybe is a little glimmer of that, but it's not the same thing as being present. And here we find, right, the presence of God. And this, this gift of presence that is unique and different to define who we are and, and, and direct our lives. And, man, there's this birthing of the church that happens in this place by this empowering presence of God. And what's the result? More people come to know who Jesus Christ is. More people join their community. It's also interesting, just imagery with the descending fire and the presence of God, but also with languages. Because what happened the Tower of Babel, you remember that story where languages were, you know, people were split apart by languages. And now what do you find here? You find people being connected through languages, because God had given them some ability to speak a different language, and there was connection and unity that happened, and people came to faith because of that. So there's this beautiful thing, it's strange, and it's kind of weird, and we try to figure it out, but the, what I know for me, as I'm still learning, is that more is offered, right? There's more is offered here. What is, what is empowered by the presence? What are, what are we empowered to do? Number one, we're empowered to accept salvation, Right? Even salvation and accepting Christ as a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, it, it requires you to cooperate and accept. It requires your will. Right? But the Holy Spirit is part of that process. And I believe today, as we've been talking about being saved by the blood of the Lamb and salvation and new life found in Christ, some of you have never maybe made that decision. And maybe today you're kind of feeling something in your heart. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit kind of knocking on your heart saying, come home to me. Right? Come home to me. Right? Restore your relationship with God the Father. Right? Accept faith in Jesus Christ that he right, redeemed you and bought you with his blood and that death and sin will pass over you because of what Jesus did for you. And just come and accept that. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you. There will be some people down front that will pray with you. And I just want to instruct prayer teams, like if someone comes down to you, just, they might not say that, but just say, have you accepted Christ? 
Have you accepted Christ? Just, just ask. And so if that's you and you say, I need that, I want that, I, I feel that in my heart, it's the Holy Spirit, right? the, the, the empowering presence of God is calling you right now and respond to him. So it allows us to accept Christ's salvation, but we have to agree with it. We have to accept it. Number two, it allows us to experience personal transformation. I, man, I, I can't grow on my own, right? I, I need something deeper, right, to actually experience God's grace and to experience transformation. Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit doing all kinds of things. It says that it knows the mind of God. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. It teaches the content of the gospel to us so that we understand. It dwells in us and among us. It gives life to us, cries out from within our heart, leads us in the ways of God, points us to Christ, Helps us in our weakness. Anybody feel weak here? I feel weak all the time. The Holy Spirit says helps us in our weakness. Intercedes on our behalf, strengthens us, convicts us. These are all work that we find in the New Testament and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It helps us to point, point other people to Jesus. The whole thing in this, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what happened and what Peter proclaimed and what was happening in that room pointed people to Jesus. And the, whole, the Holy Spirit is all about pointing people to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus and pointing others to Jesus. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a missionary, right? You'd think like the whole thing of sharing the gospel is not intimidating to me. It is, right? Frequently I'm like, oh, I feel uncomfortable, but I know that there's a power by the, because of the empowering presence of God through the Holy Spirit that when I share the gospel, when I say certain words, there's not just me speaking, but the Holy Spirit is empowering those things in the heart of another, right? And so we can step with a little more boldness into that place. And then fourth, the Holy Spirit just allows us to thrive in community, right? What it says there at the end is that, right, they had the goodwill of all the people because they were living together in community, connected and unified. When Paul talks about the, give, the spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues and prophecy, his main focus there is about unity, right? He's talking about these are things that should unify us, not divide us. And so often in the church, unfortunately, we, we hold on to those things that divide us rather than holding on to those things that unite us. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work among us, right, to unite us as a community of faith. And some of you may have had a similar experience where you go on a mission trip and you're interacting with people that speak another language, another culture, but you, yet you feel this sense of identity and connection with them because of the Holy Spirit. You know, I didn't answer probably half your questions about the Holy Spirit. Pastor Andrew, he'll be around. Um, <laughs> you know, but I know that there's more, right? There's more offered to us. You guys, anybody here drink coffee? And I've seen a lot of you guys, right? Every morning, you know, like my family knows, like don't like, he hasn't had his coffee yet, give him some time. Like my family kind of knows this, right? In the morning I have a cup of coffee, usually a couple, right? Because it, it does something, right? I've kind of created this habit. It gives me energy. I, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I've created a dependence upon it. Like even between services, I was like, ah, oh, man, I need a cup of coffee. When I, you know, after the cafe, I got a cup of coffee. It does something. And when I have coffee, I don't just sip, take a sip. I drink it, right? I drink it. Um, and I, I like the experience, and it does something in me, and it kind of empowers me in a certain way. And I've, you know, created this habit. And I just was thinking, like, man, what if I saw the Holy Spirit the same way? And I wake up in the morning, and I, want, I crave my cup of coffee. Um, sometimes I, I, maybe this is too much information. Sometimes I go to bed at night, like looking forward to my cup of coffee in the morning. Um, you know, but <laughs> what if I had the same perspective on the Holy Spirit, right? Like, man, I, I crave this. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to just take a sip, but I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And I don't fully understand what it means and how I do it and all of these things. And it's a dynamic relationship and the Holy Spirit is mysterious, but like, fill me. 
right? Fill me. And when I need that cup of coffee in the afternoon, like, man, Holy Spirit, fill me, right? I want to be empowered by you to experience personal transformation. I want to be able to experience the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wants some of that? I want some of that. I want more of that in my life, right? And we need to be full. Paul, Paul says it this way. He says, you know, be careful how you live. This is in Ephesians. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. To get drunk, you can't just do that with a sip, right? You got to drink it in. You have to be filled and I think you could translate that passage as it's not a one-time event. It's not, I was filled, and therefore I'm all good. It has this connotation of this constant infilling, right? Just as much as my coffee. Doing it on Monday is not going to get me through the week, right? I need it Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, right? I, every day, right? And, and the Holy Spirit is this be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And to do so, like, we, we need to respond, Right? And, and for me, my experience is like I need to, like it really starts with surrender and submission, right? Like, God, I, I submit to you. It starts with a request. God, fill me with your spirits. A lot of times it's connected to worship, whether corporately with others or personally in my life. But can speak certain things in my life and just say, God, fill me with your spirit today. We sometimes want to understand things before we fully embrace it or do it, right? That's so often in our lives. One of my kids, you know, speaking Portuguese, when we went to Mozambique, said, ah, I'm not going to speak Portuguese until I'm fluent. It's impossible, right? It's impossible, right? You just have to begin to speak and make mistakes and learn as you go because you can't wait until you have it completely with you. And I'm not just talking about using a spiritual language, but I'm just talking about the experience of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we want to understand it up here before we kind of begin to experience it. And I just encourage you, whether, you, I mean, I still have questions, but I want more of that empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. How do we do it at Koinonia? We know that we cannot do this life alone and we need to be empowered Right? We need to be empowered by the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Corinne, I just want to encourage you. I, I need more of that. I want more of that. Wherever you are at in your journey, there's more available to you today to be filled so that you can experience transformation and renewal. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your role as a father or mother. Maybe it's in other broken relationships. Maybe it's with addiction that you're struggling with. I don't know what it is for you, but the Holy Spirit is present, right, in our lives. And we need to be filled, right? And that filling brings about change within us and within our community and in the lives of others around us. And so let's ask for more of it. Andrew, I'm going to ask you just to come up and just conclude our time. That's so good. So good. So good, Pastor Jeff. Boy, you want more? I want more. I want more. One of the beautiful things that you see in the book of Acts is, of course, what we just read, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. But then repeatedly, as the, act, as the church continues to gather together and to seek the Lord, he comes again and he fills them again. And, and that's the process that we as believers should expect, that there is a continuous filling. That whenever we run dry, which is every day, that we need to be filled again. That we need his empowering presence, as Jeff said, his, his presence that's 
real, that's alive, that's active, that's available. Do you have his presence? Do you know his presence? Do you know how to live in his presence? I think it's just perfect if we just take a few moments right now just to, to actually invite the Lord, just to, to, to do an exercise. We've heard a teaching, which is excellent, Jeff. What an excellent teaching that reminds us and teaches us who the Holy Spirit is. But now let's, let's do a little exercise together. Let's take a, just a few moments and let's ask the Lord to fill us. Are you willing to do that? Would you just stand to your feet? We're not in a rush. I don't want anybody to run out of here. Let's just take a few minutes. Let's do exactly what the early church did, which is just to begin to wait on the Lord, to begin to, to lift our voices, to praise him, to pray to him, to invite him into our lives, to tell him that we need him, and just to begin to declare who he is. So if you would just close your eyes perhaps right now and you just begin to open your mouth in prayer and just begin to express to the Lord your desire for him. Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we need you. We, we need your presence. We don't want to go from this place without you. We, we don't want to forget, Lord, that we need you every day. And for, forgive us, God, for so often doing things without you. Oh, God, we, we, we many times have, have operated in our, in our own presence, in our own strength, rather. We've operated in our, own, uh, in our own willpower. But, Lord, we recognize that what we truly need is we need your presence. So just tell them, just tell them in your own words, Lord, would you fill me? Would, 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 you, would you come and, and do what you did in the, in the second chapter of Acts where you came and you began to touch every individual? Would you do that with me, Lord? Would you, would you fill me fresh and anew? And whether that's for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time, Lord, we just recognize that we're a people that need to be filled continuously with your presence, with your presence. And so we just take a moment right now, Lord. We just wait on you. We just wait on you. If you have a, a prayer language, just begin to speak in your prayer language. And if you don't have a prayer language, you just begin to speak in your English language. And you just begin to declare who God is. One of the wonderful things that we get to do is we just begin to praise God with our mouth. Scripture calls it the fruit of our lips. We just begin to declare, Lord, you're good, you're powerful, you're present. There's nowhere we can go that you're too far to find us. Lord, you're all-knowing, you're all-loving. You, you, you know everything and you can go everywhere. You break down walls, Lord Jesus. You go into places that are impossible for us to go in. Even the darkness is light to you. Jesus, we praise you today because of the work of your cross. You see, you just begin to speak that with your lips. Go ahead and just begin to pray it out. Just pray it out just a little bit louder so that I can hear your voice this morning. We're just declaring who God is. Thank you, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always with us. You've covered us. You've been with our family. You've never failed. Oh, we love you this morning, God. We love you this morning, Jesus. We thank you for the work of the cross that it's, it's covered our sins. It's opened up the door to heaven. It's made a way where there was no way. It's, Lord Jesus, everything that we need is provided in the work of the cross. It's changing us from the inside out. We adore you this morning, God. We honor you today. Oh, God, even in the midst of this praise, would you come and would you fill us? 
Would you come, Lord Jesus, and fill our spirits to overflowing? I'm just praying, Lord, that, that you would begin to invigorate and revitalize each and every person that's here today that's reaching out for you. Oh, God, that they would experience in a fresh and a new way, maybe even for the first time, the power of your spirit, the empowering presence of Jesus, that you would just come. And from the left to the right, Lord, you begin to touch each and every person. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The first service, I explained uh, to, to, the, to the group how to receive uh, a prayer language if you haven't received. And if that's something that you desire to receive, I believe that's a gift that the Lord has for us. And if you haven't received that, one of the things you begin to do is you ask for it, first of all, Lord, would you, would you fill me with a new language and a new tongue? And, and, and then secondly, you begin to praise, because oftentimes what we'll do is we'll ask, but then we won't take a step of faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is by faith. And you actually have to, to take a step in order to receive fully what he has for you. Just like you took a step of faith in receiving salvation in Christ, you take a step in faith, of faith in receiving a spiritual language. And, and I just began, I explained to people, sometimes they don't know what to say. There was a young lady we were, we were praying for the, a couple of weeks ago, and she wanted to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. She'd never received that before. And we began to pray for her. And we prayed for just maybe two or three minutes, just like we had done just here just a moment ago. And then, we, and then I asked her, I said, did, did you sense anything? Did you feel anything? And she said, she said yeah, I feel like I feel something like in, in there. I, and, and I, and I want to say something. And she told me later, but she was embarrassed. To, to actually say anything with her mouth because she wasn't totally sure what was going to come out. She, was, she didn't want to look foolish. How often we don't want to look foolish, right? And, and, and so I just encouraged her, and, and I said, tonight go home and spend some time with the Lord. And as you begin to pray and seek him, ask him to fill you and do what you're doing right now. But if you need to know what to say, let me give you just two words just to get started, right? Because sometimes you just need to take a step of faith. And, and so I gave her two words. Uh, and the beautiful thing about these two words is, is that they're, they're words uh, in Hebrew and Greek. And the two words, you, you're probably familiar with them, hallelujah, which just is praise, means praise God, and Abba which means Father, Hallelujah and Abba. So really when you're saying Hallelujah and Abba, you're using two different languages and you're praising God. Praise the Father, praise Daddy God, praise Daddy God. And, but it's not in your language. And, and, it began, and so she began to do that and suddenly she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She said she began to feel an earthquake. She said she felt like the whole house was shaking. And, and when it stopped finally, she wasn't even sure how much time went on. She began to pray in a spiritual language that much beyond hallelujah, Abba. And she looked around and she was convinced that the picture should have fallen off the walls. But what she found was the earthquake had been inside of her. It, it wasn't external to her. Even this morning, as I, as I just had people begin to repeat that, maybe that uh, hallelujah, Abba, oh, a young man came up and he said, he said, because he was hungry and he didn't know what to do. So he just began to pray hallelujah, Abba. He said, he said my ears have been clogged. All of a sudden, pop, they popped open. But just a little step of faith. See, it's, it's not, it's, there's not, nothing magic. There's nothing magic in the words. There's nothing magic in the words. What we're talking about is taking a step to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want the presence of the Holy Spirit. We, we don't serve a religion. We don't serve a set of moral codes. We're not trying to follow rules and orders to make God happy. We're encountering the presence of Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you bring your presence? Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill us?
prayer teams, would you come right now? I know that there are some this morning that you need to receive, you want to receive, and you've never received before. Maybe you're here today and you need to receive salvation and you need to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to invite every who wants to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit, who wants to receive more, maybe for the first time, or you just know you're dry, you're empty, and you want to receive more. I've got people here. We're ready to pray for you. We're going to wait for a little bit and we're going to put hands on you and we're going to bless you and we're going to invite his Holy Spirit's presence to come. So just would you come right now? If you're hungry, if you're empty, are you dry? Are you empty? Would you make your way up right now? Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Would you come come down here right now? Because we're going to pray for you. Go ahead and everybody close your eyes. Let me bless you. And come forward. Anybody else needs to come forward? Come forward right now. You know, you're, don't, don't let your self-consciousness keep you from coming forward. Don't, don't let your worry about somebody else keep you from coming forward. There's something that the Lord has for us this morning. I, yeah, let me just wait another moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're hungry today and you want more. You know you've been dissatisfied. You know you've been empty. You know there's things that, that are not right and you want to make things right. And you know you need the empowering presence of Jesus. This is for you. This call is for you. It's not for somebody else. It's for you. So just make your way forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that in this house, in this place, Koinonia Church, these people, that we would be full of your spirit. There'd be a, a mark and a stamp that would be different on us. Thank you, God, that you're setting us apart. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us. And what's more, you are actually leading us day by day. You're providing for us all that we need. And so, God, I pray that we would be hungry for you in the morning, we would be hungry for you in the afternoon, and we'd be hungry for you in the evening. We would take time to lean into your presence, to seek your face, to find that you're there to fill us up with your presence. Oh, God, would you make us a people who are alive to you, who refuse to go out the door in the morning without being filled with your presence. So God, teach us how to rest in you. Teach us how to press in to you. Teach us how to be filled with you so that when we go out, people would see there's something different. You carry something different, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, when we're in a car, we're in the marketplace, when we're wherever we're at, when we're at friend's house, Lord, we pray that we would carry your presence with us and that as we step into situations, Lord, as we step into moments when people need an answer, we would have the answer. Why? Because your presence is with us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said in the house, Amen, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Listen, we're going to stay up here. We're going to be waiting on him. And if you want to be filled, just come on down. If you've got kids in the class, go get them and bring them back if you want. And we'll be praying here for a while. Come back next week. Come tonight at 630 for, for some dessert and hanging out with Pastor Jeff and hearing a little bit more about Mozambique. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message. And we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.